Hey everyone, this is Laz Jackson of Detroit Bad Boys, and on this week's podcast, we answer your burning Twitter questions. Uh, ben and I, in the course of doing that, talk about Pistons' potential trade targets, how bad things would have to get to tear down the season, it'd be really bad, and the possibility of a Bruce Brown, Luke Kennard backcourt. As always, we appreciate your continued support of the podcast. The best way to do that is to share, subscribe, and leave comments. Uh, please leave comments on the discussion post on Detroit Bad Boys. That's the best way for us to have the conversation we want to have around the podcast. In order to do that, though, you have to be following DetroitBadBoys.com, which you should be doing, because it's the best place on the internet for Pistons news and analysis this season. With all that said, it's time to go to work. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. I am your host, Lazarus Jackson, and I'm pleased, as usual, to be joined by my usual co-host, Ben Gulker. Ben, how are you doing? Les, I'm doing pretty good. I'm ready for some real NBA basketball to take my mind off some of that ugly college football this weekend. I'm still stinging a little bit. Michigan football fan here. So how are you doing, bud? I'm doing good. I am uh, much more worried about Illinois than I was 48 hours ago. Right. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, doing doing pretty good. Uh, speaking of guys who are doing pretty good, though, we got news today um, from Yahoo Sports's Chris Haynes that uh, the Detroit Pistons intend to award forward Christian Wood with a regular season roster spot. Woohoo! So Christian Wood's on the team. We don't have to worry about this anymore. This is good. Yeah, 100% agreed. They needed a big man. They've got a big man who's raw and makes some mistakes, but at the same time does some really positive stuff that you'd want to back up big. So no Thon Maker at backup center, at least in long doses. So I'm thrilled with that. Yeah, and even having like a Thon replacement potential, just like if Thon is ever ineffective as you know he is occasionally, then uh, having another guy who can step in immediately and not having to scour the league for another backup big, I think, is is, is worthwhile. And so, correspondingly, we got a tweet from uh, Keith Smith of Real GM saying that uh, the Pistons are reaching out to a bunch of teams about Kyrie Thomas. They're trying to uh, trade Kyrie instead of waiving him, which would, I believe, leave them in the luxury tax for the rest of this season, uh, Well, uh, unless they did something else. But uh, because the rest of his guaranteed money would go on the books this season, which would which would be enough to put them into the luxury tax. And you don't want to go into the luxury tax to cut Kyrie Thomas, basically. I mean, of course, could just cut Joe Johnson, but it does not sound like that's kind of what the Pistons are going to do. It does not sound like that's in the plans. Well, you got to have a clutch power forward. I mean, that's the reality. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So, Ben, uh, how do you feel about uh, the impending Kyrie Thomas what what are you going to make where what are we supposed to make of like soon to be former Piston Kyrie Thomas yeah I mean I was pretty much resigned to this as of a week ago you know looking what the Pistons did during the preseason in terms of Joe Johnson's minutes in terms of Kyrie's minutes the writing was pretty clearly on the wall and then of course Joe had a game this this week where he he shot the ball well which one out of five games that's going to happen so uh just like I thought it would unfortunately (laughs) Um, exactly you know, one out of five games. Yeah, exactly. 20% of the time he works every time. 
So, uh, yeah, I mean, you hate to see a young guy with maybe potential um, for a 38-year-old who you don't, who I personally don't even really want on the team. But like I said, I was resigned to it. I wish him well. I hope he finds success. You know, on the one hand, I hope he's not a Spencer Dinwiddie, a Chris Middleton. On the other hand, I hope he is for his own sake. Um, but yeah, it's, a, it's just a questionable decision to me from management. Joe Johnson, to me, is not the difference between, you know, the fourth seed and the fifth seed, right? I mean, he, he's just not going to be that difference maker. So this one's a little bit of a puzzler. No, definitely. And I totally agree. I think there's definitely the possibility that he's not Spencer Dinwiddie, that he's like Darren Hilliard. But like we, we really won't know that until he's not a Detroit Piston anymore. And so, you know, for his sake, I hope he ends up in a great situation. I hope uh, he ends up in a developmental spot where he can get a lot of minutes or uh, get the appropriate level of like player development work that he needs. But uh, yeah, it's this isn't going to move the needle one way or another. And it's uh, it's a little short sighted, but uh, it makes some degree of sense if you're only thinking in like a super limited form where Joe Johnson is very important to this team. <laughs> and that's kind of all the news we've got. Um, the Pistons played some preseason games. They were really ugly. The Pistons regular season games don't start until Tuesday. And in between, the, they haven't done anything with Kyrie Thomas or Langston Galloway or Thon Maker or Joe Johnson or anybody. So, we turn to you guys for questions. What do you guys want to hear? And so we solicited questions from Twitter. We're going to go through them, and that's going to be the podcast. The first Twitter question we got is from at Sham Sham God. Uh, I see Sham is a contributor for your site, but has yet to appear on the podcast. Will that be remedied soon? Asking for a fraud. Uh, thank you for the question, uh, Sham Sham God. I assume <laughs> you're talking about uh, Shamik Mohile, uh, new writer at Detroit Bad Boys. I also assume he will be on the podcast sometime in the future. However, uh, if he wants to be on the podcast, he can. He can. Uh, he doesn't have to be passive aggressive about it in the tweets. <laughs> you can. You can just hit me up in Slack, man. <laughs> yeah, standing invitation, um, numb nuts. Yeah, so, uh, come on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, man. All right. Next question. Real question from uh, Desenzo. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. That looks vaguely Italian. What should a realistic outlook for the Pistons season be? What is an optimistic outlook? And when does the Rose Jackson outcast backcourt implode? <laughs> I like that. That was pretty good. What do, what do you think, Ben? Yeah, you know, so I said on Twitter sometime a week ago or so that if the Pistons cut Christian Wood to keep Joe Johnson, I was going to be a lot more pessimistic because I thought that put Pistons front court in a really sticky and ugly situation. They didn't do that. They they're, it looks like they're going to move Kyrie instead. Um, you know, I, I think I'm still going to kind of stand pat where I was um, after the summer was over. Uh, they were a 41 win team a season ago. They added incremental upgrades and improved at um, you know pretty much every position where they needed to improve. Right? I mean, Jose Calderon, Tim Fraser, right? no, no contest there. Tony Snell over. Um, well, Stanley Johnson for a big chunk of the season improvement there. Christian Wood over Zaja Pachulia. I'm going to take that every day of the week as well. Uh, Derek Rose over Ish Smith, and then potentially improvements from Luke Kennard and, and Bruce Brown. So, you know, that's really what your top eight, nine guys right there, um, where you're feeling like you, you got better at like four, maybe five positions. Uh, so to me, it's pretty hard to see them taking a step backwards, 41 wins, 
and up seems realistic. Optimistic outlook, you know, optimistic outlook to me, approaching 45 one seems pretty optimistic to me. Um, but yeah, I think it's a 45 to 41 to 45 win team. Um, obviously the X factor is going to be health. Blake Griffin gets hurt. The offense is going to struggle. Uh, Derek Rose gets hurt, probably hurts the second unit a bit. Although Tim Frazier had a real nice game this week. So maybe he can step up and play. I think they're a better, better team top to bottom. I'm excited about that. Um, in terms of the backcourt imploding, you know, I'm not, I'm not seeing any evidence of that so far. Um, I'm pretty optimistic about our guard play. I think that the starting unit and the second unit both seem to have some chemistry together. Um, Luke, John, uh, Luke and uh, Derek Rose seem to have some chemistry. They seem to be excited about playing together. We've already seen some increased confidence and assertiveness from Luke Guitarn over the preseason. So I'm not sure I'm going to see that implosion, and I'm not sure that question was also super serious. But uh, I'm pretty I'm pretty excited about the backcourt all the way around. I, I pretty much agree with uh, your outlook scenario. 41 to 45 wins is about where I would have this team. And as for the Rose Jackson backcourt, I think those guys are going to play together, but they're not going to play together so extensively that it ever warrants implosion status. Like maybe maybe they close some games with that. Uh, maybe they start some like third quarter or some second quarters with that. But at the same time, like it, they have enough. They have so many other guards in the backcourt that I'm I'm comfortable not ever having to rely on a Derrick Rose, Reggie Jackson backcourt. And so each of those guys can be in their established role, and that'll be fine. I, I don't think uh, there's an an incoming implosion, if that makes any sense. Okay, uh, our next question comes from Ryan Laprade. I hope I'm pronouncing that last name right, Ryan. Sorry about that. Uh, how bad does the season start have to start for Gores to entertain a teardown? Ooh, that's a good question. What do you think, Ben? Jeez. Um, man, a teardown, I guess it depends on what's totally meant by that. Um, you've got a guy in the second year of his head coaching contract. You've got a brand new front office going into their second season. You have, I think, mixed feelings among the fan base, but I tend to see more optimism than pessimism in the places that I'm looking online. Um, so to me, that seems pretty unlikely. I mean, if you go 0 and 15 or something stupid, uh, I guess that's always possible, but I mean, I, I think it would have to be approaching that bad for some sort of tear down, uh, to be in the works. Now, if the Pistons find themselves at, uh, you know, 30 and, and 35 approaching the end of the season and are about to miss the playoffs, then maybe we see some shakeups this summer, but I would be pretty shocked to see something happen early in the season or even in season at all, unless it's just gone way worse than everyone's thinking right now. It It's also made more difficult by the fact that the Pistons have a, uh, they have like the easiest or one of the easiest uh, strength of schedules prior yeah. to the all-star break. And one of the most difficult uh, schedules in the league post all-star break, the all-star break also is when the trade deadline is. And so it, if you're, winning a bunch of games you're supposed to be winning before the all-star break it seems difficult as to like why you would you would tear the season down um however like there there are avenues um if you know something were to happen to blake and the team were to just uh never kind of never get there offensively a, a bunch of nights if this team were to start somewhere in the neighborhood of like 10 and 20 and uh you know no 10 games under 500 and 
to a point where you feel like you would have to ride Blake uh, really, really hard every night in order to even uh, think about the playoffs. Um, I could see a situation in which the front office like decides like, hey, like we're not going to keep Andre Drummond past this year. Let's see what we can get for him at the deadline. And uh, at that point, you're sort of rebuilding. Um, at that point, you've got you see what you can get for the expiring contracts of Reggie Jackson and Langston Galloway. Um, you see what kind of return you get for Andre Drummond, whether that's like individual talented players, whether that's like expiring contracts for future uh, salary cap reasons, whether that's a bunch of draft picks for the future. Maybe maybe you don't want a bunch of draft picks. Maybe you want actual young talented players in uh, in exchange for Andre. That's something the front office would have to decide, but the return for that would determine a lot, I think, of whether or not the Pistons would even like consider it a, a quote-unquote uh, rebuild. But yeah, I I don't think it's likely, but there are definitely uh, avenues if this team were to finish. Like, you know, you look at the first 20, 30 games of the year, if they're 10 games under 500, I think it would it would take that bad in order for the, uh, the ownership and the front office to uh, entertain a teardown. Uh, thanks for the question, Ryan. Uh, the next question comes from Brandon Ingle on Twitter. Uh, if Reggie, if a Reggie Jackson trade were to go down, who would start at point guard, assuming another point guard wasn't sent back in the trade? Who would you start, Ben? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't love Derek Rose as an option there because um, I don't I don't know that I love Derek and Blake playing together. Although we really haven't seen that yet, so that's just sort of preliminary. My my gut reaction is Derek Rose doesn't make sense. It, it wouldn't surprise me if they did something a little bit more creative. Some of the things that, Laz, I think you really kicked around over the summer. Um, I think Kyrie Thomas was kind of your guy in that scenario, which unfortunately <laughs> wouldn't be realistic. But yeah, uh, maybe Bruce Brown. We've seen a little bit of ball handling. We've seen a little bit of distribution skills from him. Maybe they go unconventional and, and go with like a, a Bruce Brown, Luke Kennard sort of front court or back court, excuse me. Um, you know, you get the ball up through half court, then you run through Blake, um, you know, as opposed to running through a traditional point guard, which is a lot of what they do anyway. You know, last season, Reggie Jackson spent a lot of his time spotting up and spacing the floor and being more of a catch and shoot guy than he's ever been. Uh, you look at Luke Kennard and Bruce Brown, not as good of ball handlers, not at all traditional point guards, but certainly capable of getting the ball up the court and into a Blake Griffin oriented offense. So that would be my first instinct if you're not bringing a point guard back for Reggie Jackson. I, uh, I'm disappointed that we agree on this because <laughs> no, because like that to me, it, that seems like where the team would head in the direction of a, of a Bruce Brown, Luke Kennard backcourt. Um, that would make some people happy because that would get Luke Kennard into the starting lineup. Uh, that would make some people unhappy because it would uh, further highlight Bruce Brown's importance offensively, which is of great concern to a segment of Pistons fans. But I, I do think that would be the plan. Um, that makes more sense than elevating Tim Frazier, I think. If uh, if you're if you're trading for Reggie Jackson and you're not getting a point guard back, I'm assuming you're getting um, like another big wing or something that's a bunch of dead money. I'm not entirely sure. It'd be really difficult in my mind to structure a Reggie Jackson trade that doesn't get you another point guard. But uh, if that were to happen, like it, it just makes sense that they would elevate Bruce Brown instead of relying on a, a guy like Tim Frazier in the in the starting lineup. Um, the coaching staff has also said that like they really want to keep Derrick Rose's like in game minutes low. They don't want to uh, be forced to rely on him as a as a starter because they feel like he'll uh, he won't be able to carry that load 
over the course of like a regular season. And so um, I think like on a, on a talent basis, like if Reggie got traded, like sure, Derrick Rose would be the most talented point guard on the roster, but I, I still think he'd be most effective as a sixth man is in a sixth man role. And I, I like, that makes sense to me. And I see why the coaching staff is doing that. And so I, I understand why they might do something a little bit more uh, non-traditional in that role, like, like Bruce Brown starting point guard. But then again, like that's the freedom you have when you have a guy like Blake Griffin running your offense, essentially. Thanks for the question, Brandon. Uh, next up on Twitter, we've got Tom Charette. Uh, give me your possibility of Reggie and Langston being Pistons in the year 2020. Uh, so I hope this isn't calendar year 2020. I'm just going to go with <laughs> next season. And uh, one to 100, Ben, what's what's the chances that Reggie and Langston are both Pistons next year? If we are talking uh, the start of next season 2020, uh, I'm going to say like 10%. I think there's a decent chance uh, they retain Reggie Jackson. And by decent, I'm not saying greater than 50%, just not not completely unrealistic. I would be blown away if they're both still Pistons uh, a year from now. Um, if we're talking calendar year 2020, um, you know, I don't know how likely it is that they're able to move one or both of those guys by the trade deadline, which takes us into 2020, obviously. Um, I'm hopeful that at least they get something out of Lanston Galloway's money, even if it's just uh, a future pick. Um, but yeah, I, I don't see those guys as both being Pistons over the long term a year from now. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. I would, I would guess that Reggie has a better chance than, uh, than Langston of returning. Um, I would give, I would give both of them combined like a 10% chance and Reggie, without Langston, like a 25-ish percent chance, um, simply because there's not a lot of quality starting point guards on the free agent market next season. Um, if I'm just like going off the top of my head, like uh, Jamal Murray got extended. Uh, Kyle Lowry signed an extension. Um, those were the two big point guards that were on the free agent carousel. Um, I think maybe you could get like a Shabazz Napier or something. Uh, Patrick Beverly just signed a new deal. There's not there's not a lot of like starting point guards. And so you run into the thing that we talked about, you know, last question, where, you know, if you don't have Reggie, you're elevating a Bruce Brown or a Luke Kennard into the starting lineup and you're you're trying not to rely on Derrick Rose. And so it makes a lot of sense to where you you do need an actual an actual starting point guard. And, you know, Reggie would come back at a at a much lower number than he is currently signed for. And I think that the the problem with Reggie isn't that he's a bad player, is that he's drastically overpaid for what he offers this team. And so if you were able to sign Reggie at like uh I don't know, like a like an eight million dollar a year deal. If you if you were able to sign Reggie for like the same money Derek Rose is getting paid, like that sounds pretty good. You have two uh point guards you feel relatively comfortable with in the offense, um, both making, you know, less than ten million dollars a year, which is like less than "Quote unquote uh, starter money in the NBA, and so you you'd be fine with that. Langston's tougher. Uh, Langston, they're trying to trade Langston like right now from from various reports that I've seen on Twitter, and so uh, it really just doesn't feel like that uh, that Langston would be back. Um, the coaching staff really likes Langston, um, but I'm not sure the front office. The front office appears to like want a better uh, view of some of the younger guys. 
And so it feels like Langston is not going to be a Detroit Piston for much, uh, for much longer and definitely not like beyond this season. Um, that'll be one of the uh, lasting legacies of the uh, Stan Van Gundy era in Detroit, uh, quote unquote, overpaying Langston Galloway to be the third point guard, never playing him as the third point guard. <laughs> yeah, in name only. Right. And then eventually him uh, him losing a spot to like a second year guy in like Svi Mikhail Luker or just an, an overemphasis on Luke Kennard, who was drafted before he was signed. So that, that, that didn't make any sense at the time. So, yeah. Yeah, and I think the finances are another thing that play into this. Um, you know, the Pistons are going to be in sort of an awkward position next summer. Uh, they're going to have to make interesting decisions about how they deal with the point guard position. Absence of any names you throw into the mix. The advantage you have with a guy like Reggie Jackson is you can go over the cap to retain your own players, whereas in free agency you're obviously limited by the exceptions or you're under the cap number. So, yeah, you don't want to overpay Reggie Jackson, obviously. But if, if we're talking about, you know, the only guys you can replace him with are significantly below what he offers in the free agent market, then it's not the worst thing in the world to overpay him a little bit for a year or two if, you, if you're going to run a point guard out there. Now, obviously, Reggie's going to want more than that. He's going to want one more, you know, relatively long contract. He's approaching that point in his career where he's probably got one more contract in him. Uh, but the way he plays this year is going to have a, a big impact on that as well. Contract year, Reggie Jackson, who, who is he going to be? How is he going to perform? What, what's he got left in the tank as a ball handler, as a slasher, as an actual point guard, as opposed to a spot-up shooter in a Blake Griffin offense? All of that is to be determined and obviously going to make a big impact on where he ends up the season from now. Yeah, so I, I pulled up the uh, the Pistons salary cap thanks to Jeff Siegel and EarlyBirdRights.com. That's the best place that I, I get all my salary cap stuff from. The Pistons have a, a $102 million of guaranteed salary next season. Um, yeah, that's a lot. That's counting the $28 million player option for Andre Drummond, though. And so. Oh, yeah, that's possible. So that's possible. But uh, but that they won't have a lot of cap space unless the team looks very different than it does right now. And to Ben's point about you being able to go over the cap to resign your own free agents, uh, you know, I'm going to list out some of the other free agent point guards that will be available next summer. Uh, Jeff Teague, any interest in Jeff Teague, Ben? Mm, you know, maybe five years ago. <laughs> I don't I don't know, man. Does Jeff Teague still have anything left? I don't know. I don't think so. Goran Dragic. Goran Dragic will be 35 years old. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna pass on that one. Brandon Knight. Brandon Knight reunion. Oh god, no. <laughs> Jordan Clarkson. Well, I would need to be persuaded, but I'm not immediately repulsed by the idea, I guess. Okay, that's fair. Matt Delavidova. Uh, no, thanks. Okay. Oh, here we go. DJ Augustin, but it sounds like he'll be back in Orlando. They value him pretty highly, but he will be a free yeah. agent. I'd be fine. also one of best. Also one of the best things SVG ever did was sign DJ Augustin. It was a fantastic contract. Yeah. Too bad they traded him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Cashed in too early. Chris Dunn. Oh yeah. See yeah. something to prove still, but you never know. Uh, Rajon Rondo. Oh man! Yeah, we we hit the bottom of the barrel like fairly quickly, yeah. and so it it makes a lot of sense why, despite the fact that a lot of fans aren't huge fans of Reggie, it makes a lot of sense as to why he might be back in a Pistons uniform next year. That 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 just just point that out. 
All right. The uh, the next question is from user Detroit Fanboys. That's not your real name, but thanks, <laughs> thanks for the question. Uh, realistically, who is the best player we can trade for? Don't trade Blake or Dre. Everybody else is fair game. Hmm. This is... Uh, this don't is, trade Blake or Dre? Every, Oof. Yeah. It gets tougher. Yeah. That gets a lot tougher. Um, <laughs> so we're talking then in that scenario. Okay. Derek Rose, but of course he can't be traded until December fifteenth. You know, whatever yeah. date that is, yeah. Uh, Reggie Jackson, Luke Kennard. If you, I suppose Bruce Brown might have a little bit of interest, but he makes so little that it's hardly even worth talking about. Yeah, if you packaged like Luke and Tony Snell's salary and like some picks, you could probably get a pretty good player, but like not a very expensive one. Yeah. yeah. If you made so Luke makes Luke makes five mil. I know mean, Luke makes three mil this year, and Tony Smell makes eleven point four, basically million dollars. So that's give or take. That's fifteen million bucks. You add a first round pick to that, you can probably get a pretty good wing player for that. I'm trying to think of some guys that make like around that much. You could get like an Evan Fournier for that. I don't know if that's as exciting or sexy as uh as, as you imagined detroit, yeah <laughs> detroit fanboys but uh but yeah i mean i mean if you you could trade reggie straight up or no you could trade reggie reggie makes like 18 mil uh if you attach like two first round picks to reggie you could trade him for somebody that makes like 20 million dollars and get somebody good who's who's available and like makes 20 ish million dollars yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I would need to seriously think hard about guys who are available right now. I mean, so many pieces moved around this summer. Yeah. Still sort of getting my head around, you know, who, who, yeah, like, who's going to be a mover and who's going to be a holder. Yeah, Bradley Beald, like, just signed his extension, so he, like, can't even be traded, I think, until six months from now, which is, which, like, takes us through the entirety of the regular season. Right. Yeah, he's off the table. Uh, Kyle Lowry just signed, just signed his extension, so he can't be traded. Uh Right, I'm pretty sure he can't be traded. I'm pretty sure you're right. Uh, who, who else? Right, let's let's look at the other free agents that will be available next year. Uh, okay, what about uh, Otto Porter Jr.? I've always liked Otto Porter Jr. Um, man, is it, does his fit make any sense though? I mean, he could play. He'd be functionally like a Tony Snell replacement slash better version of. Yeah. yeah. If you were including Tony Snell in the trade, are you still thinking Reggie Jackson? Yeah, I'm thinking like Reggie and Tony Snell because Otto Porter makes $25 million. Yeah, it makes a lot of money. Yeah, it makes a lot of money. Oh, wait. There we go. Uh, How do you feel about the – I tweeted out uh, an OKC Thunder podcast, tweeted out a fake Danilo Gallinari trade. I think it was mm-hmm. Snell, Tony Snell, Langston Galloway, Thonmaker, and like a future second, but like a – like a 2020 seconds, so like a pretty close second for Danilo Gallinari. Danilo makes uh, $21 million this season, but it's an expiring contract. How do you feel? Does he, does he have the capability to play some small forwards still? Ooh, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I don't know if he's got the lateral he mobility has, to defend the three. He did play next to Blake in Los Angeles. Oh yeah. Yeah. I forgot about that completely. <laughs> right. No, I mean, I mean Gallo. Um, I like him. I like him as a player. Um, I'm not attached 
tremendously to any of those guys you listed. Um, yeah, I mean, at, at the same time, though, an expiring cap contract has such limited value because the Pistons are already over the cap going into the season that it, you know, it's not a one-to-one drop-off, right? You, if you lose a $20 million contract, you're not just creating $20 million to go sign somebody uh, in the summer necessarily. I mean, I kind of, I'm kind of looking forward to the Tony Snell era a little bit because <laughs> uh, he's cheap and he can shoot. And I really, I've been wanting a small forward for so long who can play. I'm just not, I don't know. I would really need to be sold on Gallo as a small forward before I pull the trigger on that. That's fair. I liked I liked the the idea of what uh, Gallo could offer this team as a floor spacer, as a foul, and as a foul drawer. Uh, I yep, wrote I, I wrote a piece about the Pistons trading Tobias Harris for him, like however long ago Tobias Harris was on the team, and so that's something that's kind of always intrigued me. Uh, just going through some more names. I've got one more name for you, uh, Ben. Serge Ibaka as a, mm. as a backup center slash backup as a backup big man for both Blake and Andre as a guy who could play next to both Blake and Andre. Uh, I think you could, I think he, he makes $21 million. I think that's enough to trade him straight up for Reggie Jackson. If that's something Toronto would be interested in um, just as like they're both expiring contracts. Um, maybe you attach a future asset. Um, you do like Reggie Jackson and Kyrie Thomas for Serge Ibaka. How would uh, how would Serge Ibaka strike you as a as a Detroit? I've always been a big Serge Ibaka fan. I think he is obviously he's not what he once was, but he's still got utility. Um, yeah, I I could be sold on that trade. Yeah, I like that. Uh, Ibaka spaces the floor for uh, next to Andre and uh, has the size and uh, ability to defend most like backup centers, so that you would feel comfortable that like Blake isn't playing backup center when they're, when they're both on the floor together, like you would for say like a Markeith Morris. He's a little bit bigger than that. Um, championship experience, good locker room guy. Dwayne Casey's familiar with, uh, with Serge Ibaka. Yeah. So yeah. I, yep. So yeah. Huh, okay. I got that. That question scared me a little bit, but I think we, we turned that out pretty nicely. Uh, yeah. So yeah, there you go. Danilo Gallinari and Serge Ibaka. Those are, those are probably the two, best players you you could trade for uh, Detroit Pistons fans all right uh last but not least um from Twitter user sg underscore one three six seven nine I that could just be like a random string of numbers maybe it's like your birthday or something I don't know uh no there's no 36th yeah. <laughs> there's no 36 and there's no 13 <laughs> so okay never mind <laughs> but uh I know this will be the hot topic of the podcast but do you guys think that the front office would straight up trade Kyrie Thomas for a future second round pick? Yeah. If they're committed to Joe Johnson, like, yeah, absolutely. They're, they would absolutely do that. Yeah. I, I also would say they would absolutely do that, but the trouble is not fine. The, the trouble is not like finding a team that wants Kyrie Thomas and that has like an extra second round pick lying around. The trouble is like, finding a team willing to give you a future second round pick for Kyrie Thomas. Not because again, not because Kyrie Thomas is a bad player or because um, he uh, like hasn't been able to crack the Pistons rotation slash roster, but just because like if they're, if you consider Kyrie a a fringe NBA player, other teams have in-house fringe NBA players that they also currently like because they're on their roster. And so you need a team to, like Kyrie more than they already like their own guys. 
And yeah. sometimes, sometimes that's easy. Sometimes that's tough. Um, yeah. I don't, I think uh, now there's been a lot of shuffling in the NBA lately as teams cut guys to get their affiliate rights to their G League teams um, as people's exhibit 10 days uh, expire, as guys get signed to, to two way deals. Um, and so you, there's a lot of like roster churn happening right now. And Kyrie Thomas has to be so, so valuable to another team that he takes uh, priority over whatever they were going to plan for their own churn. And I don't know. It's, it's difficult for me to see how, how, uh, how that happens. Um, like, yeah, you could maybe envision like a pick swap, right? So like you trade Kyrie Thomas for a future second and the rights to, you know, swap picks, right? So like if the Pistons get a better pick one year, then whomever the trade partner is, maybe you're swapping that year or something like that. But you're absolutely right. Um, and the Pistons put themselves in this own jam, which is what's so dumb about it. Like you have no leverage because you have to, you absolutely have to unload somebody in order to clear the tax. So you're not negotiating from any sort of position of strength. I I don't even know if you could like swap swap rights to second round. Oh no, you can. You can. That's like that's really rare though. You don't really see teams like swapping second round. Picks. Yeah, there's no in- and there's no incentive. Yeah. Like why would anyone do yeah, that? Yeah, once you get past like pick 40, like it's all the same. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, just and to your point about the Pistons like not planning this out well. Like honestly, like we have to give a lot of credit to Christian Wood because they picked him up seemingly as an off an afterthought and it, it does like it does not appear that they planned for Christian Wood to to be in their plans this uh this offseason when they were constructing their roster but he played so well during training camp he played so well during the preseason that he he forced his way onto the roster and like we we have to give him kudos for that yeah absolutely i mean he's He's a legit NBA talent who's just raw and does a few things wrong. But, I mean, definitely a legitimate NBA backup big for sure. Yeah. All right, Ben. We uh, That's all the questions we got from Twitter. So thank you, every uh, everybody we shouted out that gave us questions. We really appreciate that. Uh, the Pistons play the Indiana Pacers and the Atlanta Hawks uh, for their first two games of the season. Uh, ben, when we podcast next week, uh, how many games do you think the Pistons out of those two will win? Oh, okay. So how confident are we about Blake Griffin being healthy right now, Les? This is the question. That's a good question. I Hamstring soreness stuff is not so damaging or like so uh, – it's not so crazy that I, I'm, I imagine that Blake is uh, – if he's able to go, he will. Um, and uh, Reggie Jackson, I think, also had like a minor back thing. He didn't play in the final preseason game and – I think that that's being taken care of as well. And so uh, I think the Pistons can definitely beat Atlanta. Atlanta looked um, (laughs) very bad defensively during the preseason, but they're playing like nine guys under the age of 25 and Alex Len. And so, or, and Vince Carter. And so I I don't know. uh, I don't know how, how good that team was ever going to be defensively to be perfectly honest with you. Yeah, I think you gotta you you just gotta beat the Hawks um, at home, second game of the season. Even though it's a back to back, you gotta beat the Hawks. Home opener, um, everyone be excited. Yeah, home opener. Yep. Um, 
do the Pistons – okay, so my calendar has the Pistons playing the Sixers on Saturday. Is that wrong? I wonder if I have an outdated calendar. I'm like, that could be calendar. right. I don't have the, the exact dates of the schedule in front of me. I absolutely hate the 76ers matchup for the Pistons. I, do, I don't like it at all. Um, so I'm not sure what to think of the Pacers yet either. Um, I, th- I think there's a possibility they're, w- they're one and two. And Indiana is the, the wild card game for me there. How uh, what did you make of the report that Indiana was looking to trade uh, Sabonis? Yeah, I commented that on Twitter. I like Sabonis a lot. I've always liked Sabonis. Um, I like that he rebounds. I like that he shoots the ball well. He's not a super high usage guy. The Pistons have high usage guys kind of throughout the lineup now. I think he could fit in a backup role very well for the Pistons. Um, I guess it all depends on the price tag and what they're looking to get back. Um, the Pistons sort of have this glut of power forwards now, if you consider Christian Wood potentially playing some minutes at four or five, right? Like, so he's playing with Blake Griffin. He's playing as a four, so to speak, on offense anyway. Um, but I like Sabonis. I've always liked Sabonis. I think he he's a solid player who's probably underappreciated a little bit, given everything else that's going on in Indiana's roster. Yeah, I would I would be curious to see even if he didn't go to Detroit, I would be curious to see what kind of return they could get for Sabonis because depending on what they got, I would either like their team like the uh, Pacers uh in competition with the Pistons for the for the playoffs a lot better or a lot less yeah. uh, depending yeah. on what their potential return would be. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. All right, Ben, uh that's the podcast. Who does Michigan play this weekend? Do you guys have another buy? I don't know. I'm so depressed. Oh, no, I do know. It's Saturday night against uh, Notre Dame. So it's... Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, it's a tough one. Yeah. Yeah. But I tell you what, though. Michigan played good football after the first quarter. And, man, I hate to be the guy that blames the ref. There were some questionable pass interference calls and non-pass interference calls that directly impacted two touchdowns that were scored. So I'm liking Michigan more after this loss than I did say after the Wisconsin loss. So I'm not ready to rule them out yet. That's for sure. That's fair. I What about Sparty? Sparty plays uh we have a, we had a bye last week and yeah, you've got you've got, got the State. old Nittany Lions. Yeah. yeah. I good luck. <laughs> it gave me a little bit of confidence that you guys were able to ugly it up in the second half for them. Um I yeah. think our defenses are relatively equal. And so uh, it gave us, it gave me a little bit of confidence that uh, we could we could hang with them if we could keep them under thirty points. Uh, problem yeah. is, us scoring anywhere near thirty points is right. going to be really tough. And hey, like you guys lost to Penn State, but at least your kids aren't like fleeing the team and they're all trans- <laughs> entering the transfer portal. That's what everyone's freaked out about. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> so uh, how the mighty have fallen yeah. all of a sudden. I mean, it'll make. A, an interesting rivalry game this rivalry game will kind of be very much like a make or break for both of our seasons now that it's become quite clear that like neither one of us is actually going to compete for a big 10 championship yeah i mean wolverine's got to avoid that five loss number i mean that's not it's still not crazy that they could you know they could lose to notre dame they could lose to the buckeyes they could lose to i don't even know who's in between those games but it's it's not impossible that that could happen. Yeah. And like, we've already got four losses. And so, you know, we got to not lose to like the Maryland's and the Illinois's of the, of the uh, big 10, which is entirely possible. 
Yeah. Uh, we just saw what happened to Wisconsin. Anyway, yeah, that's that's anyway. that's five minutes on Big Ten. That's a different podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ben, uh, shout out your social media. Where can the people get uh, your Michigan football thoughts? Oh, gosh, if you read my timeline, it's all Michigan football right now, and it's probably like dashboard confessional, <laughs> depressed, uh, at BR Golker. But, hey, real basketball coming this week, so time to change things up a little there bit. There you go. And as always, you can follow me on Twitter at Last Chance. That's at L-A-Z-C-H-A-N-C-E. Uh, I did not tweet about Michigan State football this weekend, but I will be tweeting about Michigan State football in the future, and so you can uh, you can commiserate with me there as well. All right, this has been the Detroit Bad Boys podcast, and we will talk to you guys next week.